When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of Modern Day Debate. I'm your moderator tonight, Justin, and tonight's topic is communism versus capitalism. We got Infrared and JF here to discuss those topics. And Infrared, I believe you're going first, so the floor is all yours. <clears throat> sure. Um, so I think that the era of capitalism that we call the capitalist mode of production is over. Capitalism is dead. And we find not any real capitalist economy in the world anymore. We rather find an institution which, on the basis of the principle of capitalism, engages in the rapacious plunder and destruction of nations and countries through debt, through purely financial capitalism uh, that is only based in the institution called capitalism, but in reality, no one else gets to participate in any kind of quote-unquote capitalism besides being debtors and the recipients of their predatory financial uh, predatory financial uh, behavior. See, Today, there's no such thing as a free market. Sure, you can open up a business in which there's a large likelihood of failure. That's okay. That's all risk, right? But if your business will ever get so successful to the point that it will come close to even rivaling the monopolies that exist, it doesn't matter even if it's a restaurant business, you hit your head on a ceiling in which you have to conform to whatever the monopoly wants. You have to get bought out by the ESG uh, rigged uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and so on and so on. And the possibility that any kind of entrepreneurialism that leads to the maximization of human liberty or anything of that sort is completely impossible. Even libertarians today admit that we don't live in the so-called pure capitalism. And my only contention would, would be that there was never a pure capitalism. hundred years ago, you had people... Uh, toiling in factories and on farms with no possibility whatsoever for any other kind of opportunity. And now in the era of the rise of the middle class, the rise of your bureauc bureaucracy, we don't have capitalism anymore. So the dream of capitalism is over and the American dream is dead. And it's time to stop trying to revive the American dream in the silly individualist form where people think that they're going to be the ones to finally get rich and make it out. The truth is, some people might get rich out of chance, maybe Bitcoin, maybe something else, but it's not a solution to the problems we're facing. And the problems we're facing are very severe. We're no longer able to support our population. We don't have jobs in this country anymore. Our infrastructure is garbage. We're not even laying efficient use of the resources and natural wealth that we have here. The fourth industrial revolution is happening and there's a big transition into a new era of technology. I love technology, but guess what? The majority of people are going to get left behind because not everyone can be a coder, as Hillary Clinton said. We need a common plan. We need to come together and take responsibility for our common fate and ensure that the transition into the new era 
that our country is headed towards and the new era of technology is done so in a way that fulfills the common prosperity of the people. And we have to do this. And this country is already acutely divided down the middle because people are too distracted to focus on who the real enemy is. And who's the real enemy? The enemy is the capitalist class. And by the capitalist class, I don't mean your ma and pa shops. I don't mean your small business owners and people who just happen to have some spare wealth. I don't. It's not a matter of wealth or how rich you are. It's a matter of how much power you have. And it's the banks, it's the monopoly capitalists who control our economy. They control our country and it's political. And I see a lot of dissidents who complain about the political uh, reality in our country and the woke stuff and this and that. The root source of it is the ruling vampire-like parasitic capitalist class and always has. Who feeds you? Who controls your minds? Who controls your resources? Who controls your factories? Who controls your infrastructure and your energy? That's way more important than anything else. And those people disposed of that kind of wealth can see fit to implement any kind of agenda they want whatsoever. American farmland should belong to Americans. American mines should belong to Americans. American resources should belong to Americans and should be put to use in a way that sees and attends to the common prosperity of all Americans. I don't believe in a government or a welfare state holding everyone's hand and making sure that every single person is completely having the same outcome. But we're already paying, what, 50 percent in our taxes and paying these exorbitant, exorbitant teeths to what is effectively through the Federal Reserve mechanism, a form of feudal rent extraction to the goddamn banks. Why should we be doing that? Why shouldn't our government actually put our resources to use in a way that actually benefits us? Why are we sending it to Ukraine and to Israel and to all these other parasite countries and to the military industrial complex? Americans aren't seeing a cent come back to them as far as the taxes that they're paying. And whether we do a tax strike, whether we stop paying taxes, or whether our taxes actually get to get put to good use, that's a common question. It can only be resolved in a common way. And there needs to be a common accountability and a seizure and a responsibility for our common future. Because guess what? Without communism, we are going to be enslaved to oligarchs. And that's always been the truth in history. We need to seize in some kind of way our means of production and make sure that they're accountable to us and that we have sovereign ownership of them. Otherwise, we can't complain about what's affecting our country. Sure, we can blame China. We can blame this. We can blame that. We blame everyone except the people right under our noses, the capitalist class, the people who actually plunder and steal our money and rape and destroy our country with absolute impunity, who are laughing themselves to the bank, quite literally, as the red versus blue politics in this country takes hold, and people argue and fight over got literally nothing. And they play both sides. They fund both forms of the media. They fund the right-wing dissident media, and they fund the leftists as well. And they're sitting back, and they're having a great time watching everyone fight over things while not paying any attention to them. I mean, how is it that we don't own our own oil? How do we not own our own energy? How, we don't even own our own banks. The Federal Reserve is a private cartel of banks. And look, we'd all want to return to the fantasy of everyone being completely independent and us having no common reality and, and no common responsibilities whatsoever. We all go live in the woods. That's a great fantasy. But guess what? You have to take responsibility for the people in this country. You have to take responsibility. What, what, what happens when we get old? You know, and we don't have family around us. What happens when the going gets tough and we find ourselves on the short end of the stick of bad luck? 
And most importantly, who's going to defend our country? Who's going to defend our borders? We need to take responsibility for our country. And that's a common responsibility. And taken to its furthest conclusion, that's what communism is all about. We need a government and a country that serves the working class majority and which is cognizant of the fact that it is surrounded by enemies. The people are surrounded by enemies, oligarchical enemies who want to see to a depopulation agenda, destroying and plundering what little wealth we already have. We don't simply want to redistribute the wealth. We want to exploit the wealth and potential that we have, and we're being prevented from doing that precisely by the capitalist class who has a monopoly on it. Communism isn't about being jealous of people for being more prosperous. It's not about wanting equal outcomes for every single person. It's about sovereignty. It's about sovereign control of the means of production by the working class. And for so long, they've distorted that meaning through propaganda and tried to make it into something else, when in reality, it's actually quite simple. It's quite simple. Whatever is elevated to the status of common responsibility, we should own it. Why, Instead of giving these corporations subsidies, we should dissolve them or we should take them over ourselves instead of paying so much taxes to the government. The government could pay for itself if we nationalized these sons of bitches. But instead, we like to pay our taxes and with what little we get already, Americans should have more disposable income, not less. And the way you have that is through nationalization. And I don't think everything should be nationalized. I don't think people's homes should be nationalized and people's personal belongings should. But when it comes to things that we all depend on, every single one of us, that's not an individual form of private property. That's a straight up robbery of our common means of subsistence by a handful of parasites. Um, I think I'll rest it there for now. That's it. All right, everybody. Thank you, uh, Infrared, for your opening statement there. Uh, I know I just said that, but I was muted, so I wanted to make sure everybody heard me say it. Uh, before I give the floor over to JF, I just want to remind everyone that this is modern-day debate. Our goal here is to attempt to have um, an equal and fair platform for anybody to come uh, share their ideas and discuss or debate against um, people with different points of view. Having said that, I would like to ask the chat tonight to... Um, avoid any personal attacks to our debaters. We want to keep this a happy place if we can. And if you are happy and you know it, click that like button. And don't forget to start sending those super chats. I see some of you already very active with those super chats, and I'm recording them for later when I will ask our debaters those questions. Uh, we lost infrared. All right, well, okay. I can still start my intro if you want. Uh yeah, I'm just. I hope he'll be listening. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he will be back, and I'm sure he will hear us in yep, some other adjust. form. <laughs> let me just adjust the screen so that uh, we can see you while you do your opening debate now, because everything is all a mess when someone drops out like that. So one second, and uh, which one of these will do it? The up screen should do it. Nope. Ah, uh, yes, if I do that, that'll work. Oh, he's coming back here. Hang on. 
All right. Just hang on, folks. We're just going to... He's coming back. I minimized it once, and then it completely went black, so I had to leave and join again. Sorry about that. I'm not going to minimize it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah. So as we were, everyone hitting like, subscribe. Uh, JF, the floor is all yours. All right. Well, what an intro by Infrared. Quite spectacular. And I find myself agreeing with 99% of what is said. But there is a... There is a little uh, trick, a trickery of magic that he does, uh, which is a label. And he attributes to capitalism all of the ills that he lists. But what he lists are not ills of capitalism. They are ills that are representative of the fact that our society has become less and less capitalistic with time and has become more and more communistic, has left too much power to the state. And all of the ills that he lists, I agree but they stem not from what he thinks. It is not the private capitalist parasitic class that true capitalistic mean is exploiting our work. What's happening is that they are through the state creating these monopolies, through the state keeping anyone from developing competition that makes sense, through the state uh, arresting people and blocking them on individual rights and their rights to profit from their own business ventures, which keeps them small players and creates a parasitic class that accumulates wealth privately, but does so through the forced arm of the state. And what we have to what we have to get rid of is this fact that 50% of our money goes to the government, that yes, it is mismanaged. And what infrared is demanding, we already have. The people are in control of this system. The people can vote, and the system that we have attained, that he describes as sick, is the system that people have constantly voted for. So the people is not to be trusted with power. To the contrary, we have to go back to a more basic form of capitalism where power is fully in the end of private interest, simply because people are too stupid to guide a society. I wouldn't trust them with my children, I wouldn't trust them with my money, and you wouldn't, probably. And so why would you trust them with the entire faith of society? Let me just list through everything that I agree with uh, from Infrared. The era of capitalism is over. Capitalism is dead. Yes, true. The depth, the fake systems that name itself capitalism, but has no feature of it, absolutely true. It's a fake system wherein it's not capitalism. Today, there is no such thing as a free market. Absolutely correct. There was never a per capitalism happening in the world. That is true. I agree. Capitalism is an ideal and it's always implemented in a form that will have some weaknesses to it. It's time to stop trying to revive the American dream in the silly individualist form. I agree. I agree. Capitalism is not about individualism. Capitalism is a system under which I want big families to rise. I want groups to feel that they're together. I want groups to be able to freely associate between one another and not be kept from associating in groups and against other groups. Uh, Infrared says the real in me is the capitalist class. The people that he's talking about are not per-capitalist. The people that he's talking about are people who play the triangle of power between the state, the Fed, and the private sector. And they do it well. They do it well for themselves. 
this is a parasitic class that, yes, we must find a solution to in our world, but those are not capitalists. Those are authoritarian statists. They wouldn't be able to pull what they're pulling with, without the state. They wouldn't be able to pull what they're pulling without the Fed. And so we, we must diagnose the problem properly because if we don't, we will make the system worse through the very same mean that it became that bad. And that mean is the power to the people, democracy, which has been going on forever in the U.S. and has led to the current situation. Uh, Infrared says uh, his problem is not with the small business owners. It's the people with power, banks, monopoly capitalists, politicians. I agree. Uh, he says American farmlands should belong to Americans. American mines should belong to Americans and should contribute to the wealth of the American people. I agree. But how do we get there? How do we make sure that the product of American innovation in all its forms ends up paying to the people who produce this innovation? ends up increasing their wealth rather than the wealth of someone else. Well, the first step is not to collect taxes on every case of success. The first step is not to collect taxes at the 50% level. The first step is to lower the size of the state so that people can have private wealth that is not looked upon as a form of drainable Parasitize, easily parasitized form of wealth. Uh, he says, let's stop money sending money to Ukraine, Israel. I agree. But it's not capitalism that's sending money to Ukraine and Israel. It is communism. It is the very mechanism that Infrared is suggesting we, we direct society with, which is power to the people. Power to the people means you elect representatives. These representatives in the government currently are taking your money and sending it to Ukraine and Israel. I don't see Elon Musk sending much money to Ukraine and Israel. Maybe he's developing some satellite work here and there, but otherwise Elon Musk is not sending billions to Ukraine for the war effort. It's the very people who are supposed to represent the people and who do so under, uh, that are democratically elected to do so. So the problem is not in the private sector here. The problem is in state power. Uh, infrared touches a point which I, I believe is our main point of disagreement and the whole mislabeling that he does of criticizing capitalism for what truly are the acts of the state I think that's where it breaks my disagreement, my agreements with him. He says, we have to find a way to manage money efficiently. That is very important. And I would like this debate to be mostly around this because I think it's where we differ. You do not, uh, you do not attain an efficient management of money by trusting the people. You, you cannot even trust the workers who are a more intelligent subset of the people. Even the workers are too stupid. You can't even take a subset of them to manage wealth. What is the proper way to manage wealth? It is not to entrust it to the mob, not entrust it to a democracy, not entrust it to representatives. All of these things have failed and they are failing right in front of our eyes. The mechanism that true capitalism proposes for management of wealth 
is whoever makes profit gets to manage the next generation of that wealth. If Elon Musk finds a way to develop something called PayPal, and if it turns out that PayPal is genius in its time and it's something that really people needed, Elon Musk ends up having a lot of money from PayPal and Elon Musk gets to put that money into the next effort, into whatever it is, the next uh, innovation effort that we will uh, deploy. And Elon Musk invested in electric cars. And if it turns out that it was a genius move to invest it in electric cars, he gets even more money. And now he invested in free speech. And if it turns out, as it seems to be, that X is currently rising as a, platform, a unique platform of free speech on the internet, and attracts more and more users. If that was the, the right move, Elon Musk will get even more money to send us to Mars like monkeys in space and perhaps build bases wherever he wants. That is the rule of capitalism. It's the idea that most people are stupid, not, not like 50% of people are stupid. 99.999% of people are stupid. And they shouldn't be given a dollar to manage except the one they can win from their own work. Otherwise, if you're talking about good management, you need someone who demonstrates his success on the free market. Someone like Elon Musk who creates something that everyone else wants. And the only system that has a way to manage this, the only system that properly and efficiently manages what will be our next effort, is capitalism and its its expression in people like Elon Musk who have known how to do the right thing and when to do it. So capitalism is the only solution to this problem and I suggest that Infrared cannot tonight provide us any answer that is satisfying with re regards to how do we manage innovation, research and future directions in a communist nation. All right, JF, thank you so much. Very well said. And that's the opening statements from both of our debaters. Uh, once again, thanks everyone for coming out and checking this out. We're almost at 400 live viewers. That's very exciting and super fun for everyone. Um, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Now, I'll just add here real quick before we get into our 50-minute live discussion. I know you guys are all missing James. Uh, we are all missing James as well, but he is so busy uh, getting that doctorate diploma. And uh, so we all wish him the best. Good luck getting that doctorate. And we'll see him back as soon as possible. But in the meantime, thanks to your guys' support, we are at 164,000 subscribers, which is just crazy and super cool. Um, and with that, we'll get back to why you're all here. The open discussion, 50 minutes, Infrared JF. Uh, go for it. So right. I'll try to answer the question as best I could that you just posed. How do we manage our wealth? Well, simple. We acknowledge that it's our wealth in the first place, that the wealth somehow has to be understood as a commonwealth. And that doesn't mean all of our personal belongings get aggregated in a single circle to be redistributed. It means our real sources of wealth, which is our natural resources, which is our productive forces, our industries and our factories and whatnot, to the extent that they get to a scale that becomes a monopoly, it needs to be under the sovereign control in a central way, a central administration and sovereign control. I don't believe in 
quote unquote democracy in the sense that we 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 leave management all up to individuals. That would be ridiculous. The whole point of centralizing and having a central plan is for the very brightest, for the very talent most talented, for the very smartest to participate in actually managing the resources of the country in the best way. But you need to leave opportunity open to the possibility that there's untapped genius out there, which you haven't accounted for in your plan. So this is where I disagree with the view that I think 99% of people are stupid. I think there's potentials in people that aren't being realized that could be. And whatever, of course, it's always going to be an exceptional minority, but you need to leave room for people to be able to actually dispose of resources in ways that are unaccounted for before. Now, you mentioned people like Elon Musk and how their ability to manage these enterprises means that they should be entitled to having more resources to manage more enterprises. You know, actually, I don't even strictly disagree with that, but I think the key word is management. Of course, there's exceptional, talented managers and administrators, right? But there needs to be an accountability to the commonwealth, to the common reality that we have. Elon Musk shouldn't be able to have a company, for example, I'm not saying he is now, but he shouldn't be able to have a company where he disposes of resources in such a way that it hurts the collective harmony of the country as a whole and comes at the expense of everyone else. It needs to be balanced and reconciled in some kind of central way. So I disagree with that. And the second thing I want to say, and we can kind of get into more stuff, but the second thing I want to say is I don't agree with the view that the people are in power. I think what we have as democracy, quote unquote, is a complete sham. What we actually have is an oligarchy. And those actual popular figures that rise up and give expression to the real spiritual direction and and uh, and voice of the people, those people all get assassinated, they get put in jail, and they disappear from the public spotlight. I mean, they would have assassinated Trump, and he Trump caved to the elites in, 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 in so many different ways, and they still want to throw him in jail for that. Every time we've seen any kind of grassroots leader, most people haven't heard of them or they get assassinated, they get killed or the FBI locks them up or something else along those lines happens. We definitely don't have a democracy. We have an oligarchical spectacle of democracy. If I ran for president, for example, and and I could cross a sufficient threshold where people would know about me and I'd be out there, they there was there would not even be a 5% chance that the powers that be would allow me to rise to a level of contesting the candidates that they prefer. They don't let you get that far. I mean, Trump only got as far as he did because of Sheldon Adelson. Let's remember that. I don't agree that people are in control. And look, I don't think everyone's a rocket science scientist. I totally agree. Most people are simple. It's called simple people. But what they do have is perspective and wisdom. And it's a perspective and wisdom on, for example, how to reproduce a culture, how to tinker with. I mean, put it this way. Jeff Bezos probably has a much smarter than your average mechanic. Right. But does Jeff Bezos have experience working with cars and knowing how they work? Does Jeff Bezos know how to how to manage a farm? Does he know about these realities? Probably not. Right. So it's a division of labor. You have to appreciate that there's some people that have perspective that. Uh, highly efficient and smart managers don't. And I'm not against talented, smart, and efficient managers. I'm just against oligarchical capitalist elites plundering our resources to worship Moloch, which is what they're doing.
All right, <clears throat> going back to the question of a central authority. And here we, we are with the, we open on the problem of a central authority, which is how do you select the ultimate decision-making mechanism of that central authority? Some people would say it's a dictator. It's a communist dictator that you're putting in power. Some people would say, well, let's leave the, vo the voice of the people capable of controlling that dictator. The problem is always the same, which is whatever authority you name will be corruptible, will be subject to the very same type of parasitism that you don't like from our current society. So what makes you think that you have a better authority selection system than capitalism? Well, it's simple. I think that the corruption always comes from the formation of an oligarchy. So actually, an actual dictatorship is actually much better at preventing corruption than a, than a so-called formal democracy. And I'm not saying I advocate for a formal dictatorship. I'm just saying when you have a popular leader, beloved and accountable to the people and who puts and elevates the people's interests first, it's difficult for oligarchs to maneuver around to have uh, solidify their positions and turn it into a, a dynastic and generational uh, position at everyone else's expense. So I am not an advocate for, I believe in power of the people through a leader. I don't necessarily believe in power to the people in the sense of an, an, an extremely bureaucratic decision-making, completely democratic, everything, every, you vote on everything, you vote on what the toilet paper looks like. I don't believe that, right? And I, I, I think there's some people who talk about workers' cooperatives being the model for the whole country. And, you know, I think workers' cooperatives work very well at a certain level of scale. But when you scale up, you need more of a central form of authority. You need representatives. And that's why it needs to be balanced. You need to have a central authority that interfaces with all of the lower levels of management. And that's actually the figure that Stalin was in a lot of ways. He would, before he would make any decision, he would call the universities, he would call up the technical specialists, he'd call the engineers, he would get a well-rounded perspective before making the final decision. And I think the final decision is important. But how do you prevent corruption? I think it's simple. You need vigilance. You need a vigilant population that's armed. Not a lot of people know this. Mao's China, one of the most heavily armed populations in human history, and the guns only started to be illegal after the reforms of Deng Xiaoping. Even the Enver Hoxha's Albania had similar levels of gun ownership. So people need to assert sovereignty. But they don't have to do that in, a, in an overly complicated way. If if those in power start abusing the dignity of the people and start abusing their authority in corrupt ways, you need to have an armed mob with torches and pitchforks that can set things right. And I, I trust I trust the people. I don't think the people are rocket scientists, but I think when they see, for example, elderly women getting kicked out of their homes that they lived in for generations and being thrown out onto the street and they want to take torches and pitchforks and start, you know, setting things right, I think that's a God-given instinct they've been given. I think when people see children being molested, I think the mob knows best, to be honest. So in this regard, I think you need to have a combination of a strong central authority and a strong vigilant population. And these, this is how you assert sovereignty in a way that doesn't allow the corruption we're talking about to take hold. Here's my problem. Uh, suppose that I would grant that you can find a good leader once, 
what's the mechanism that gets this leader replaced by a continually good leader 10 years later and then 20 years later another good leader the problem is that i don't see a system at all in which the right person is being chosen and what i see is at the moment of transition in any authoritarian system or centrally controlled system you're going to have people capable of elevating the leader that they want the leader that is corrupt to advantage their subclass how do you keep that from happening at the transition level how do you make your choice ever and ever better i think every leader is always susceptible to the public perception always every single leader every single leader has a mystical even relationship with the mood of the entire country and to that extent a leader a good leader cannot be selected simply selected there's no council of experts that's going to be able to permanently select what the good leader is going to be and it's enough that a leader is good by the way not every leader has to be great in my opinion mao was a great leader right Deng was a pretty good leader, right? But the ones that came after Hu Jintao, uh, Jiang Zemin, and so on, those were, I would say, good leaders. They were they weren't extraordinary, but they kept the stability of the country going. And then comes along Xi Jinping, who is a great leader. And how did Xi Jinping come along? Because he correctly articulated the spiritual mood and direction of his country. He was a, a populist in that regard. But I concede to you, you will not always have a great leader. They wouldn't be called great if every single leader was great. But there's no but, way to select for it beforehand. There's no way to ensure that a system is going to guarantee your leader is going to be good. It's the responsibility of a population to keep their leader in check. It's not the responsibility of a group of experts. It's ultimately always going to be the responsibility of the people. And as a matter of fact, I do agree to an extent that we, the people, are responsible for the power system we have in this country. Only I don't think it's in the form of democracy. I think it's in the form of our indifference. The fact that we just watch Sunday night football every week and ignore the goings of the world and we don't even care or take responsibility for what's going on in our country. And we're basically living in a bubble completely isolated from the reality surrounding us, like frogs being boiled slowly in water. I agree we are responsible for the situation, but the moment we the moment we really feel and 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 awaken to how much power we the people actually have. I don't think you can erase that. It's it's difficult to. Even when the Soviet Union was dissolved, there was riots on the street. They brought tanks down because people, even then at that point in the existence of the Soviet state, could not reverse the sense of responsibility they had for it, that it was their state and they didn't want to let it dissolve or get collapsed. And what do you know? Putin comes to power a decade later because here's what I believe. The people always win. The people are always the masters of history, for better or for worse. And it's not because they're smart. It's not because they're rocket scientists. It's because a country is always a body politic. It's a body of the people. That's what a nation is, right? What else are we talking about if not a country of people, right? So that is always going to determine the course of history, for better or for worse. And the problem is that people have not awakened to this level of responsibility and power that they have. And communism is about, it's class consciousness, spreading consciousness precisely of that. It's kind of uh, a circular 
definition that must be always true that the people win because the people who don't win end up dead very often in history, sometimes killed by the very dictators that you would praise and that you would want to lead a nation. And so I, I think that, yeah, whatever people is left alive after historical events, they do have some power because they can revolt, they can block systems or they can allow systems to continue. But this is ultimately my problem with central authorities of all kind, which is that you have no mechanism to ensure the continued non-corruption of, of your central authority. Whereas capitalism as an incremental approach to always make leaders that have demonstrated something, that they've demonstrated that they were able to manage a smaller amount of money and get more profits from it. So uh, capitalism is ever improving if you can keep it going. Uh, communism is always headed toward corruption. It's only a matter of time, even if, if the times are good at a particular point in time because you ended up with the right leader. There is no mechanism to ensure that the next leader will even will be even better. Whereas in capitalism, a leader gets to lead a company because he has a certain amount of wealth that he has accumulated. He's entitled to spend that wealth once. Uh, it, it's false to think of rich people in, in our nations as rich forever. Their, their wealth will dissolve at some point. And in fact, it's pretty quick. It takes a couple of generations before any amount of wealth uh, that has been accumulated will end up being dissolved. Uh, so I think that capitalism offers us a better alternative, which is, yes, your good, your good leader, which would have arisen in a communist system, can show his talents in capitalism. He can start small and he can grow and grow until he controls more. In communism, that person will will either be allowed or not allowed, and it will be dependent on whatever central authority has determined to be the priority directions for investment of wealth and, and resources. But the, the key thing is that when you say capitalism, you're talking about the ideal kind. And I'm not talking about an ideal kind of communism because I don't believe in ideal realities. I don't believe in I believe in reality. Right. So as you yourself would admit, this may be an ideal of capitalism, but nowhere is it the reality. And that's exactly the issue. I am well, not forwarding. If I was forwarding an ideal communism, I could just say, well, actually, people can just manage themselves. We don't even need to have any kind of uh, authority whatsoever. And there were just, uh, you know, everything would just work out magically on its own. And then if we talk about an ideal capitalism, we can likewise say the free market will select for everything. It'll select for good leaders on its own. But this isn't what happens in either I think case. There are a lot. There are a lot of what you presented today that are the ideal situation. You've supposed that so. leaders you've supposed that leaders had a form of mystical power tying yes. them to the people. You've uh, supposed absolutely. that these leaders would again and again and these people would again and again uh, get the right leaders by imposing their force. The reality so, of a communist system is people will have blind spots and leaders will be able to go corrupt in ways that the people can't tell okay, let's, at the moment let's, where it happens. Sure. I'm not speaking in ideals, so I am happy to go through the uh, examples. In what ways was Mao a corrupt leader? I don't know the history of Mao, so I won't quote it. W what about uh, Stalin? Well, uh, Stalin has uh, as fought against his own population and as... Uh, 
has engaged in uh, in starving certain parts of his population. We, we, that would who be did an Sta example Stalin, of corruption. Stalin didn't starve a single section of his population. And in terms of fighting his own population, if by his own population you mean the would-be oligarchs in the uh, Soviet bureaucracy who precisely did try to abuse their power toward the end of corruption, that is the people that Stalin fought. That's who the people who he purged. He didn't fight and purge ordinary people. He fought the ones that were trying to terrorize them, actually. So Stalin I disagree that nearly, there's... Stalin had nearly a million of his own citizens executed beginning in the 1930s. How can you... How you're can you're you referring, sure you're referring they... to the Great Purges, are you not? I may. I don't know okay. the name of it. So, so whatever. So it's an exaggerated figure, but you're aware that almost everyone caught up in the Great Purges was already in a position of power, and they were corrupt people abusing their power, and that's who Stalin got rid of. You're aware of that, right? I believe. No, <clears throat> I believe that when you kill a million people, it is extremely likely that you will commit acts of non-undue process in the in doing so. Millions more fell victim to forced labor deportation, famine, massacres. For, and forced labor is an interesting word. So would you describe forced labor as the predominant reality in the U.S.? Because the per, prison per capita population of the United States of America is higher than any point under Stalin in the Soviet Union right now. And we all know that uh, penal labor is not something unheard of in the U.S. correctional facilities. So we, we play around with words to demonize the Soviets and the Stalin era a lot, but the reality is, given the circumstances and the conditions, I don't see evidence of any corruption. You could say it was exceptionally harsh, but harsh circumstances require harsh decision-making. It's easy for us to sit and look and say, oh, how brutal and how harsh, but we're not faced with those circumstances. And wh when we were... We were not ourselves foreign to methods of brutality and ruthlessness on a much grander scale than we can say for the Soviets. We had slavery. We had chattel slavery. We had uh, the, the colonization. I mean, there is no position with which we could judge the, so the harshness of the Soviet Union when, in fact, it was much more humane than what gave rise to our comfortable modern societies today. So I disagree. I fully disagree. Uh, I, I don't think that the Soviet Union was an example of due process. And to, to make the moral equivalence by comparing them to people who have been found guilty of crimes in the U.S. is absolutely ridiculous, in my view. Uh, I wouldn't well, have wanted to undergo criminal proceedings in 1930 under Stalin. So... So you're talking about two different things. There is the penal camp system, which was for rapists, for murderers, for cr th criminals and thugs. And mind you, they, they, they existed in the early days of the chaos of the Soviet Union on a widespread scale. So we, they exist in the U.S. They also existed there. Criminals were a thing, right? And they had very limited resources. And how do you deal with the question of criminals? Well, they could have just killed them all, but they didn't. So they tried to reform them through labor. Now, the second thing is you're talking about is the Great Purges, where people in prominent positions of power were subjected to uh, uh, harsh, harsh penalties. Uh, some of them were sent in, in prison. Some of them were killed and shot for treason. But ask yourself the following question. A decade earlier, you're invaded by every single country on Earth. Every single major power on Earth invades the early Soviet Union. You have a snake's den of traitors and treasonous scum uh, circulating the government, Trotskyists and all manner of these people. How would you have disposed of them? How would you have dealt with them? I mean, 
whether you think it's unlikely that there were so many traitors and so many uh, people corrupt and abusing their power, or whether you think that there were, but there wasn't enough due process, how do you deal with this phenomena and this problem? I don't think we're in a position to judge. It's a harsh circumstance, well, <laughs> requires a harsh response. Certainly not by arbitrary killing. Uh, and in 1932 and 1933, millions of Ukrainians were killed in the Holodomor, a man-made famine engineered by the Soviet government of Joseph Stalin. So the, the Holodomor is a phrase that was used by Ukrainian Nazis to describe what was just an, a famine that the Soviet Union experienced, which was by no means intentional, and which was the result of the rapid and sudden modernization of agriculture. Mind you, the sudden and rapid modernization of agriculture in any context would lead to a severe disruption of the food supply and thereby lead to mass starvation. It happened in all, almost all the colonies Britain had, where there were sources of major extraction of resources. We had the Bengal famine, resulted in a few million millions of deaths over the the decades and the centuries. You had the Irish potato famine, which killed way more per capita per population than the Soviet Union and China. The history of industrialization and modernization is an ugly one. Only in the West, all of the consequences of this industrialization were offloaded onto colonies in foreign countries, whereas the Soviet Union and China had to actually, in an independent way, modernize their agriculture. Now, they made mistakes, as anyone would under the pressure of having to so rapidly do this. And why did they have to rapidly do it? Because they needed to industrialize, because these capitalist powers, these imperialist powers were planning on invading them again. Stalin said, 1931, we have 10 years to catch up or they bury us. 1941, what happens? Operation Barbosa, the Nazis invade. So they had to do this. It was a harsh, again, harsh circumstance required a harsh response was the was the famine a big mistake was it a form of mismanagement sure sure but it wasn't intentional that's the important thing that year was a drought by the way there was a huge drought that year the harvest so was not good and, it, and by the way this was the last major famine in, in the history of russia in general besides the, so we the were, war besides the war we consequence had this parenthesis with you asking me can you find me an example of stalin failing of stalin uh, going corrupt. Corruption. Well, here's one example. That's it not doesn't corruption. have to be intentional. Corruption can be unintentional. That, 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 is, that is neither corrupt nor can Stalin be laid the, well, the blame. Okay, let's call it mismanagement. My problem but, but with the, communism is mismanagement that kills millions of people. Uh, as, as, as far as I know, there weren't millions of people dying from this revolution in the U.S. Yes, there were. When? The, uh, the, the In order for the revolution in the U.S. to have been possible, there had to have been millions of the indigenous people who died. And moreover, <laughs> is, not, is not slavery comparable See, as an key. atrocity? That's the key. Yeah. Uh, the, the indigenous had to be fought as an external force to the American society. But the, the American society didn't crumble under mismanagement of its farms. Uh, when, uh, when when new new farm apparatus showed up or new sure, forms sure. of farming. But, there, but there's a few things. The U.S. had a century to modernize its agriculture and its industry. And moreover, with foreign aid and investment that propelled it, British loans. I mean, U.S. industrialized on the back of British loans. Everyone exactly. knows that. Right. But so, the Soviet. So but here's the, are the advantages of capitalism. No, no, no. These, these, these are the advantages of not being under siege by every major world power because you're defying the bankers. 
The Soviet Union flipped off the the oligarchical banker elites that rule the world, and so and they decided so to lay siege on it from every corner and put them in such a desperate and uh, intense situation. Ideally speaking, there should have not been any kind of famine. But it was the pressure by the foreign predatory powers that wanted to plunder Soviet resources and lay ruin to them that made them have to do it so rapidly. Uh, and and so, when you so when you have to do it so rapidly, there's going to be mistakes. That's not a result of corruption. That's a result of the circumstances. This understanding of history is like the the guy who beats his wife and then says, well, she provoked it. And so I had to do it. Uh, foreign powers should not be able to put you in a state of instability such that you end up killing your own people through mismanagement. Okay, so I would say that the theory that has been displaying yeah. here is not accepted at all. In okay. fact, it's Wikipedia levels of agreement around the fact that, yes, it was an intentionally caused famine. I don't particularly care about this case, but what he's presenting okay. here is an absolutely out of the, the left field theory of the Olodomor. Okay, let, let's let's talk about responsibility. Annually, there are 3.1 million children under five who die because of starvation. That's annually, okay? That's just children under five. I didn't mention all the other people. Is that who's responsible for that, for the mismanagement of that? The Irish potato famine, I mentioned that. The countless famines under the history of capitalism and colonialism. The countless famines that happened under the history of the Russian Empire that everyone seems to conveniently ignore. Where's the responsibility? See, that's the great thing about capitalism. In a capitalist system, when there's a famine and all these people starve, no one's responsible. It's just nature. It's just the natural forces of the market. So you can't blame the system. You can't blame the ideal. But when this happens very suddenly and rapidly and then is immediately corrected and never happens again in a communist state, somehow this is uh, this is the result of uh, Stalin being corrupt or, or himself mismanaging. The truth is, when you're responsible for your common reality and your common affairs, you take the blame for the mistakes that you make. And that wasn't just Stalin who who made these decisions. It wasn't him who made the decision to, for example, not report. And by the way, all these people were purged that were running Ukraine at the time who were not properly reporting the situation on the ground. They were all purged and removed. These are precisely people who were victims during the Great Purge, right? And so and more, they, they were killed them too. They they killed the people who were actually responsible for the mismanagement of the famine. Absolutely. And then but but I, let me ask you a question. We have a fentanyl crisis in the United States. Have we killed a single pharmaceutical executive who was responsible for uh, for filling this country with drug opioids and getting the American people addicted to these so drugs? Nothing. There's, 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 some of there's, them. there's no consequence. There's absolutely no consequence. Oh, we don't hold anyone responsible, and we don't say this is a fault of capitalism. We say that this is just the reality. There are currently there are currently uh, open court cases about this. So uh, in in capitalism, nothing keeps you from punishing people for crimes. And what what, crimes what, what, what do you think that punishment's going to amount to? Oh, I don't know uh, what will the Sackler's family pay. Uh, there, there are already uh, already big uh, amounts that were attributed in damages in this, and there so, will be more. So I this is the result of the Sackler big. family and not the capitalist system as a whole. Well, uh, it depends. I mean, no, it's not that it depends because you're saying combined. The, the but, but let, let me tell you, the fentanyl crisis is a combined effect of capitalism in a system that allows its corruption. 
uh, through state and terrace, through reimbursement of medication, through so state I'm, I'm, insurance. So I'm willing to take full responsibility for the real reality of communism. But it seems like you're not willing to take responsibility for the reality of capitalism. Where do we find the ideal capitalism that you would be willing to defend? The ideal capitalism has never been implemented, but I would say something like early America uh, without slavery could qualify as what, I, what I'm but, looking for. But there for. was I'm no looking... such thing. There was no such thing. There's no early the, America. Early America didn't exist. Without slavery, it had slavery. Well, okay, remove slavery and uh, no, you you can't Canada. you can't you can't pick and choose the variables. That's like okay. me saying that's like seeing me saying oh communism, but without all the harshness and okay. without okay. a famine. Early Canada, early Canada. There er, was no early, what was going Canada. on in early Canada? There was nothing. How was that an ideal? Exactly. Yeah. What exactly. what was, was ideal? Nothing going on. What was no so, big government? So, so just, just an empty forest. Colonizers. Uh, added by a common religion who were building a nation. That but is what you, I think. You realize a lot of these uh, early American settlers, because Canada was then considered part of the Americas, you realize that they built societies that were communistic and communal in nature, right? They weren't free enterprise capitalists who were just uh, implementing some kind of a system of, of uh, entrepreneur, you know, individual entrepreneurship. Those were kind of communists. They were all sharing the resources and attending to the common affairs. That is uh, ahistorical. Communism has never been the system in Canada, except if you want to call the current government. Well, the, the, you're not talking about a system in Canada. You're talking about settlers setting up villages and kind of just settling in Canada. Well, I, I'm here to yeah, tell you, well, they, they, they didn't really have a capitalist system. And he wasn't living under communism. He had uh, these, these little businesses there were, uh, you know, grocery stores, mechanic, mechanic uh, shops, and yes, it was capitalism. Then. What what year was this? What year is this? Well, my grandfather himself must be between 1920 and 1940, 1950. All right. Well, that's not uh, early Canada. And and by the way, well, in early, we're talking about early Canada. Slavery wasn't even abolished in Canada until 1834. So I don't there's there's no ideal early early Canada. The 1920s by that time the the global banksters completely control Canada. I mean it's a complete uh, colony. So no. No. absolutely if you know the history no, no. of If you go in a village of Canada in the 1920s you will see commerce being alive free market but, but hold on that's see capitalism. That's, that's that's a village if you go to a kolkos under stalin there were kolkos markets that you could say were free markets that's one village you have to take responsibility for the entire country not just one small isolated village and the bigger picture that we do see in canada as a whole is far from an ideal capitalism you describe by the 1920s capitalism was run by monopoly cartels and banksters it wasn't a free market country no no, a people's Absolutely. existence was uh, could be made independent of these cartels, which could exist in some point. But that's a hypothetical. Not... That's a hypothetical scenario we have <laughs> no, never. No, it's seen. not an hypothetical scenario. It's the Canada that my grandfather lived in. The Canada your grandfather it. lived in was controlled by British-led monopoly capital. It wasn't no. a free market. No, the existence of my grandfather and his farm was absolutely independent of these uh, of these cartels. Uh, I don't know that he ever suffered from any of these cartels and that he was ever there. There's plenty of people entertaining business, but, but there's plenty of people. Hold on. Just because your grandfather did not 
experience the effects of the system in a negative way doesn't mean that system was a free market capitalist system. Ideally, as you'd say, there's people today who don't experience the negative effects of the system we have. That doesn't make and it the way, ideal capitalism. The, the thing is, you're trying to make a point that I don't even disagree with. If if there were systems in the past, I've said that these systems were not per capitalism. And you're trying to make me say right. that they are not per capitalism. But I'm just saying I I'm, understand. But but no I'm system not system is per communistic either. A lot of these systems that you would call communism have let some sort of local free market to exist, some sort of local accumulation of wealth. And so no system is per. That's not the But question. I'm just trying to I, say I've that here making that claim. I think I think the issue is that for me, communism is not an ideal. That's what I'm trying to say. For you, capitalism is an ideal. For me, communism means something a lot more concrete and real, which is, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I have all, all communism that it refers. It is an ideal. It is an ideal. I, I disagree. You have to make up. You have to make up narratives that are completely contrary to what historians have established, considering the Holodomor. Would you say? And would fact, you say? Even, even in your alternate narrative, where it's a mismanagement, it's still so, grave. It's so hold on, you 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 have, you, you, you agree with me? Mismanagement that leads to millions you, you, you of people You agree with dying. me that you agree with me that oligarchical banksters are in control. They control the money supply and they control the public institutions. They control the universities and the academies. And you're trying to say there is no possibility whatsoever that these people could have lied about Soviet history. Uh, I think that they could have lied, but you should make the demonstration. I don't think you've made the demonstration that they've lied. They absolutely have lied. There is no evidence whatsoever, not an iota of evidence, that there was any intentional famine in Ukraine. Again, I don't care about the intentional aspect. I care about the fact that millions of people died from what you call, what you admitted here is a mismanagement by a communist administration. I don't know right. that there is any sort of mismanagement in a capitalist society that has led to as much death. No, no, and it's led to, it's led, it's COVID led. Listen, just in the past year, it's led to way more deaths just of children under the age of five. It's just that we don't call it mismanagement because there's no manager to take responsibility for it. Nobody's actually uh, holding the banksters like the the World Bank so and the IMF. 3.1 million children. 3.1 million children that's, under the age of five. Third? That's on planet Earth? Yes. Okay. And you attribute, uh, and that includes countries of Africa? Yes. And you consider that countries of Africa are capitalistic. So this is where your how, how are they not? trick doesn't work. How they're are they not, not? They're not because capitalism is not a system in which tribal violence dominates every aspect of your life. So I, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of this. All, all capitalism refers to, all capitalism means is a system predicated on capital accumulation. MCM, MCM making more money, investing the money in commodities and making more money. Money is blind. Yes. Money doesn't care if you're starving. Money doesn't care if you're a prostitute selling your vagina for money. They don't capitalism doesn't care about any of that. What capitalism cares about is more money being created. That's it. Profit. Okay. And so, importantly in a free market. And when you have no, a that, that, actually that's head, not true. That's no not true. Ca market. Capitalism Capital. The only reason there's markets under capitalism is because of money. But actually, the tendency of capitalism is the destruction of free markets. Adam Smith actually wrote about this himself because capitalism couldn't overcome the issue of rent and landed rent, which all of the free market advocates at the time thought would actually allow for free markets to be able to exist. It never happened. 
because rents are a part of capitalism. That's the issue. Unproductive rents are a fundamental part of capitalism. Why? Because they contribute to capital accumulation, making more just for the sake of more money for the sake of money. Again, that's completely blind to the basic human common realities we have and we seek to attend to. And look, advocates of capitalism say that only like inadvertently capitalism supports the common good of, of the people. But everyone agrees that the common good should be in command. The issue is that in capitalism, that's not the case. There's no such thing as a common good. The only common good is money. Money, moreover, which has gotten to such a ridiculous level of abstraction that's not even based in a commodity anymore. It's based on nonsense printing of the Federal Reserve from thin air. Everything okay, I'm you just in heard real, is just, more of I would this like magic. to hop in real quick, if I may. Sorry, JF. Um, this debate is fantastic. It's going great. Awesome. Everyone's loving it. The chat is here for it. We're all, like 450 people watching this. Great. I just want to give a quick call to action for everyone who hasn't hit that like button or subscribed um, and keep the chat going. It's really really nice uh you two are respecting each other uh greatly however i'm starting to notice just a little bit infrared if you would please allow jf to yeah uh, sure finish a sentence no problem fantastic yeah my JF, bad. you make all right everything you just heard from us is absolute divagation on a parallel definition of capitalism that no one uses that is absolute hallucinations of us who's continuing his magic trick of relabeling everything and suddenly uh, uh, Stalin is great, the Holodomor didn't happen or it, it was unintentional, oops, oops, a few million people dying and capitalism can happen in sub-Saharan Africa with child soldiers having a gun at your head. Capitalism, here a definition from imf.org. Capitalism is often thought of as an economic system in which private actors own and control property in accord with their interests, and demand and supply freely sets prices in markets in a way that can serve the best interest of society. So Infrared is working with parallel definitions that he uses to slime himself away from his obligation to address the problems of communism in this debate, and he miss characterizes sub-Saharan African countries as capitalists so that he can include their death count in the capitalistic Holodomor, which has never happened. By the way, I just want to make a few points. Even if I discounted every single death that happens in African countries, I just have to look at a cursory glance of the history of capitalism in Europe, and you'll find you have similar deaths and the incipients of the modernization and industrialization. But let's put that aside for a second, because you're saying that I'm not using the correct definition of capitalism, but all I'm referring to is the reality of capitalism. I'm not referring to an ideal definition created by the IMF. That would be akin to just saying all communism is, is what a Twitter communists say it is instead of the reality. That would be ridiculous, right? So the IMF is a capitalist institution. Of course, they're going to forward an ideal description of what capitalism is. But the truth is, all capitalism means is a system based in producing money for money's own sake. And all those things you mentioned in Africa of child soldiers, of all these tribal conflicts, if you actually pay attention and read behind the lines, what do you have? You have multinational corporations and development development banks like the IMF issuing out predatory loans so that private interests can come, plunder their resources, own them privately as privately, and leave the population destitute and poor to the point where they can't even feed themselves because they don't even own the land that they stand on. 
So that's the reality of capitalism. It's not ideal. And by the way, I'm not saying, oh, you know what else there is in front of I I didn't interrupt you, so don't interrupt me. Um, you, you also said that I'm saying, oh, oops, a few million people die in the hold or more, oh, whatever. I want to move to I, another subject. I would like to answer I, that one. I, I am you know not. I, uh, JF, JF, I didn't interrupt you. I There was an intervention ahead, by the moderator for no interruptions. Right, 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 right. There, was, there was no. This one. There was no interruptions. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. I have to address the things you said. I have to address the things you said. I am not trying to under uh, under um represent or somehow belittle the horrific significance of the famine that happened in ukraine i'm not trying to say oh it was a horrific horrible disaster and and by the way a tsunami comes and wipes out millions of people that's also fucking horrific and i'm not even saying that we can be sure that horrible horrible tragedies aren't going to happen in the future all i'm trying to talk about is where does the responsibility lie i'm not trying to say that oh oopsies it was just a mistake i'm trying to say that for the first time you can have a society own up and be accountable for the mistakes that are made by it just like how we are also responsible for 3 million deaths per year of children under five that die a society that has a famine is responsible for that famine and you know what that's better than having a famine and not being responsible and just saying that it was nature that did it or is this you we need to be responsible for every shortcoming in our society i want us to feel responsible for every single person who has died because of fentanyl i want us to feel responsible for every single young person in this country who doesn't have a future and decides to kill themselves because they're completely isolated socially and they have no sense of purpose i want us to feel responsible in this country for people evicted from their homes that get bankrupted by banks yes we are responsible. That is our system that's responsible for that. It didn't just fall out of the sky. So I'm not trying to say hello to more uh, or the famine in Ukraine was nothing or meaningless or was just a little small mistake. Reality's fucking harsh and bad shit happens. But guess what? You have to actually pay attention to why that is. And just instead of just saying, oh, bad shit happened. Yeah, bad shit's been happening, man. And nobody's been taking responsibility. See, what infrared has been doing please. right here is it will come with something that's erroneous and then it will flood it with one minute speech that is populist in nature but that means nothing it's all blah 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 and it's all meant to uh, to to cover with dust and dirt the error that he's committed to start with that he didn't want to call me out immediately so that's a problem and i, I would hope that the the moderator here can intervene when has gets into telling a lie and then getting away with it because he gets to speak for two minutes after this it's really useless for the audience and we're losing everyone's time infrared you attribute you've decided that africa was capitalistic because there's money there but you know what else there is in africa a bunch of people who will commit violence, who will violate the freedom of others, who will kill people, and who will do so exactly on the basis of the interest that you came to defend today, the people. And for each of these African republics where some tribe has killed another, you'll find names like the People's Republic of this, the People's Republic of that. And that is exactly what your system leads to. Call it mismanagement if you'd like. It's a system of death, of human elimination, and of whoever survives at the end gets to corrupt the system in the way they want. 
So if you want Africa, if you want the People's Republic of Infrared, vote communism. If you'd like a system that changes its leader, that rotates across the most talented people to drive innovation, choose capitalism. That's my conclusion, because this guy, I can't anymore. I'm willing to end all the super chats if you'd like. Just one small question. I'm not going to ramble, as you're saying I am. Who owns the natural resources in Africa? Is it the they, I know they call themselves maybe a people's republic, but who owns their mines and their farmland and their basic resources? Is it, is it multinational, foreign, private corporations, or is it actually uh, owned by the state or publicly? Just a small question. <laughs> it is sometimes owned by the very people who call themselves the representative of the interest of the people. So, so what's an example of that? Uh, the uh, People's Republic of Congo uh, doing traffic in mines uh, of all kinds. You're saying the territory. state owns the mines there? Uh, the, the people who are participants to the state use their state power to enforce the ownership of right. mines and resources. So who owns it? Uh, I don't know. Companies, uh, individuals, right. local right. dictators. So that's communism? Yeah, communism leads to a class of property accumulators in its elite that benefit from the strong arm of the communist okay. central authority that so, you advocate so, so, for. So when, when foreign companies hire thugs to come and protect their assets um, and bribe them with money to do so, by the way, as well, you're saying that the private ownership of mines is communist as long as a government is being hired by capitalist oligarchs to defend the property. I'm saying that uh, appealing to a central authority and giving it power, whether you call it communism or not, is what you want to do and is what leads to death on this planet in reality. So you're, you're saying uh, it's possible for capitalism to exist without a central authority to enforce the uh, ownership by a tiny blood-sucking minority over the commonwealth of the entire people? You're saying they don't need a government to enforce that? I believe that a minarchy can exist, a minimalist government that seeks only to apply to the respect of ownership and law, uh, the minimal non-aggression of others, but this right. government must remain sure. small. Okay, where does that exist? Uh, I, I've given you models. Uh, the Canada early Canada, in the 20s? Early, early US, early Canada were examples of small government that applied. Those, the those were minarchies? They were not perfect minarchies. I would like a minarchy to go a little further than this, personally. So wh where does that exist? Well, again, I've given you the, the best examples I know of. Early North America. Uh, is early European conquested North America is what I have in mind. So slavery? No, I don't uh, stand for slavery. But so I don't you... think that the U.S. could be... I, I think that you could have an early U.S. equivalent without slavery. I think it's a, it's a myth, this idea that early America's boom was due to slavery. I don't think it was that much. So how would you have gotten rid of slavery without using the government? By giving a salary to the slaves who want to continue working freely. So you're saying there wasn't a single slave owner who was smart enough to do that with the view that that would have maximized his profits? See, see, this is why I'm done with this discussion. I'm it's, just asking you. You're just trauming me. You, you, no, no, no. You're, I'm just you're saying. In the, you, 
No, but you're in this mood of, oh, so you're saying, so you're saying. Oh, I'm I mean, just this saying. This is what I'm... they've done to Jordan Peterson. You're trying to what? to do like this, like this female host that did to Jordan Peterson. So what you're saying is. All right, no, then speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. I, it's you, not if what you think... I'm saying. I've already given my answers. I'm done personally. <laughs> I'm just okay. asking how you would have gotten rid of slavery in and and in a I, and I said I would pay the slaves. Now what? Now what's your next question? So would that have removed slavery on a systemic level? Because how are you going to ensure every other slave owner acts as you do? I'm presuming you're a slave owner in this scenario. No, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the single slave owner paying its slaves. I'm talking about at the society level. Yeah, what would be their law, incentive? Make to make do that? a law. Make a law that that's forces using the you government to pay slaves. Yes. So by force, uh, for using the monarchy, by force, using the monarchy. I, I have no problem with the use of force to apply the law. So, but but so it's communism when the government uses force to defend uh, private ownership of for, foreign private ownership of mines in the Congo. But it's not somehow communism for the government to use force to uh, make these slave owners spend their money in ways. That they might as not long as you do so to protect someone from aggression i have no problem with violence i have no problem with self-defense for example it's not a problem but the people who do this in the congo to control minds right they are not doing this in self-defense they are doing this to control minds but All but right, so the, the, the on, argument on. could be made by the Fred. owners of those mines that they're defending their right to own Excuse the mines me, which they bought Forgive me. Um, our our open discussion time generally uh, essentially is yeah has ended. However, okay. uh, you both clearly have so much more you want to say. Um, so how you guys feel about I give you both three minutes each right now uh, to summarize your positions, and then we'll go into super chat. If you want, I I'm in for the super chats right now because I'm Here. done uh, answering these okay. uh, never-ending questions that don't lead to <laughs> anything really. All right, that's a fair point. You're okay with that then, Fred? We just go to Super Chats? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, then let's let's do that. Um, okay. All right, so... Uh, yeah, if you guys haven't got a super chat in, feel free to get one in now. We, we've got a bunch already in queue, and I'm going to start uh, reading away. So first, from Samar Rowe for 4.99, says, Ha's opening statement hits on the despair a lot of young people feel, rightly or wrongly, both debaters. What is the best way to combat doomerism? You know, it might sound like a cliche, but I would just say you're not in it alone. Whatever doomer feeling you're having, everyone else is feeling that way too. And it's just a matter of who's better at disguising it or not. But I would say you're not alone. And I would say this is a common reality we have. And I, that should relieve a burden from you. Don't don't just think this is this is something you're experiencing. This is something going on in the world, you know. And I hope that at least helps at least a little bit, relieving the burden of, you know, the doomerism. I don't know what doomerism means exactly. There's various reasons why you could be depressed, but I would say just uh, just be thankful to be alive. And if you're alive today, you still have a shot at reproducing. You still have a shot at building your life. And if you're in a capitalist nation, you still have a shot at building wealth, which is amazing. 
All right, thank you. Um, Fact Junior sends $5, but um, I wasn't hip with their super chat. So I'll acknowledge their super chat, but we, we won't be saying what he said. Um, which gives us right to our next one, which is Mustafa Jav, 499. Uh, did you guys know beforehand that Juby posted a group debate on the same topic? No, we had decided this debate about four days ago, so I don't, I, I don't think we've heard about this. I think Eddie from Midwestern Marks was there, I, if that's the one you're referring to. Uh, shout out, Eddie, you know. Yeah, I don't think uh, we need to be limited to one channel doing a debate on a similar topic either. I think it's a good discussion to have overall. Our next super chat from Ozen Talks, $5. Why did you say everything the government does is communism, JF? How is that uh, owning the means of production? Well, because government is one of the attempts at implementing communism, really, at implementing the power of the people that Infrared has been describing in his intro. Now, it's true that government isn't necessarily thought of as communism, and it's true that also government has some role to preserve the state of right in a capitalist nation. But it remains the case that people like Infrared will talk about the interest of the people until they are asked to delineate how are you going to do this? How are the interests of the people going to be enforced onto a central authority? And the only thing that we know of that looks like the interest of the people, that's an attempt at capturing it, is government. And it fails miserably. Um, so infrared, because JF did mention you, I'll allow you to respond. But when the question is directed as a particular person, I like them to have a final word. So I'll let him finish. Yeah, I would say I don't think you can create a system of government that is going to be impervious to the the to possibility of corruption of government. You can't have government account for. I don't believe in that. I think there always needs to be an external pressure that you can't account for beforehand, that you can't calculate in your system. And that's what actually gives us human freedom to determine our own fate as a people, right? You need to have this element of the possibility that, yeah, people might rise up and overthrow the government. People might rise up and not fall in line. There might be chaos and a lack of stability. There's no, we're not robots. We're not animals to be domesticated. So there's a certain point where government does not have power and government can't account for that. So again, you need to have a tradition of popular sovereignty, of people being able to exercise authority and, and actually allow leaders to rise among them to rep organically. I'm not saying a system for this, right? That gives voice to their concerns and their problems. And so you know you what? See- could be a good pro- it could be a good outcome, could be a bad outcome. You can't design it beforehand. That's like saying we don't have free will. We have free will. We could be good or we could be bad, but we're not you going see, to be. We, we don't have any chance of being good when our system is designed to only care about profit and not take into account the re- simple reality of people's existence. I'm not saying communism. Said, will, I would. Yeah, I would like to have to have the, the final word on this question and we'll get to. And Farad uh, said something very key here. He said, I don't think you can design a government system that is impervious to corruption. And so, therefore, what is the answer? The government must be the smallest possible so that the opportunity for corruptions be minimized. I, I agree it should be the smallest possible, yeah. 
I mean, I don't that, necessarily that, disagree. That's with not that. JF having the final word, but I guess you agree, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving All right. on. <laughs> um, so CE five dollars. This question's for you, uh, Infrared. Uh, what do you think about the Songbun system and the human rights situation in North Korea? Uh, the human. Uh, first of all, I think this notion of human rights, where you can apply one standard of what that means to every single civilization culture, first of all, is nonsense. Second of all, the truth is we know very little about North Korea, and a lot of the things that are reported out from it have time and time again be pr been proven to be nonsense and BS. So I just don't buy it. I don't buy that uh, North, there's this huge crisis of, of uh, oppression in North Korea and so on. You know, there's that woman, what's her name? She's pretty famous. W what is her name again? I've, I really, I she's really not Joe Rogan. Than, than that woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot her name, but it really epitomizes the proper, yeah, y Yenmi Park, that was her name. She really epitomizes the kind of... Uh, bullshit propaganda industry against North Korea. And if you don't know who she is, look her up. And she's been proven to be a huge liar and exaggerates for money. So, you know, I would say we don't, let's not make assumptions about North Korea until we actually know what's going on. That's what I would say. All right. Uh, our next super chat from Samar Rayo 999. Uh, JF, how will you keep your capitalist system from turning tyrannical? What keeps the Elon Musk's from hiring soldiers to ensure or retain his power once he has the money to do so? Quite simple. Uh, there is still a state of law enforced by a minimal state. And so Elon Musk cannot overpower you through violence, force, uh, extortion of any kind or threat. And so if he was to buy soldiers, he would simply be found to lose all his wealth and uh, and his moves to be illegal and he would end up in jail. So I'm not talking here about a system that has no law. I'm talking about a system that has a law, but it, it's a law that's minimal. It's not a law that seeks to redistribute and manage the economy. It's a law that simply makes sure that everyone consents to what's going on and the free market can operate. Awesome. Thank you. Um, our next question, Ozean Talks, another $5. Who should Americans select as POTUS out of anyone who is currently living and why? What if it comes down to just Biden versus Trump? Uh, so this question is not directed at anyone specific. So whoever would like to answer first, I'll give you guys both a chance to answer. Between Biden and Trump, um, Trump, you know, between them both, it's not a great decision you'd have to make. But I'm not even saying you should vote or I'm going to vote. I'm just saying if I had to, probably Trump. And I'm not going to go into the reasons. If, as far as someone who's living right now who should be president, I think Jackson, Jackson Hinkle should be president, you know. So that's that's my take. But, you know. I will go for Trump. Uh, and for anyone, perhaps uh, Elon Musk with uh, Trump as a side runner or Elon Musk with Tucker Carlson as a side runner. Interesting. All right. Thank you so much. Our next question is from Ethan Osborne, $5. Has Bula step into the lumpen lounge with me, bro? It's launching soon. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't really know what this meant. Um, I hope it's friendly. 
I think it's probably referring to a podcast or something. Um, so it's just if you have any inquiries and you want to <laughs> just send me a DM on Twitter and we'll see if it can happen. You know, all right. I, I wasn't sure what I read. Yeah. This. I, it, I was like, this better not be insulting to you. No, it sounds, it sounds like a, like a An YouTube invitation. show or something. I don't know. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, next sunflower member for two years and sends $10 infrared. Is it? communism state more prone to decay than a capitalist one even if we have crony capitalism don't you think crony capitalism will always emerge and persist due to human nature no i i completely disagree you know capitalism hasn't been around for the majority of human human beings being around we had feudalism we had slave society ancient greece and rome you know, I, I'd say, uh, is communism more prone to decay? Well, that depends. It depends on the people of a communist country. And there's a degree of collective responsibility there. You know, that's what, to me, that's what free will and being a human being means. It doesn't mean everything's just going to work out by itself. But to be honest, I mean, uh, there's corruption in China today, for example. There's no doubt about that, right? But do they let their corruption get to the point where it negatively affects so much of the population? They don't. Usually when it gets to that point... Those guys get completely removed and thrown out. And it, China's not perfect, not at all, but I think they manage it a lot better than we do. So that's an example, you know. I feel, JF, that you really wanted to respond to that. I'll allow it if you want, but in front of the final I was reacting visually to the, the regular chat. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so I only got a few more super chats here left that I didn't get time to uh, add to my handy little screen there. So... Uh, first, Ethan Osborne sends $2 um, in support of infrared. I'll just say that. Um, CE, $5. Uh, infrared, do you see a role for military intervention ever to stop atroc apologies for this word, atrocities and human rights abuse by other nations? Atrocities might be what that word was. Um. It depends on the historical connection you have to those countries, specifically uh, geographically and civilizationally speaking. So generally speaking, no. Um, I don't believe in the use of military force to enforce any kind of human rights, but I do think a form of regional responsibility could exist. For example, what's going on in Gaza? I think it is incumbent upon the regional forces and actors to intervene there because this is their civilization and this is their region. If something horrible was going on in Canada, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that maybe maybe there there could be grounds for the American people to come and put an end to the, the chaos and the nonsense. I don't know. But generally speaking, no, it just depends on the context. Not universally. Definitely not. All right. And our last super chat of the night is for JF from Samar Rayo. Again, um, our big super chatter of the night, 999. JF has argued before that humans can cultivate queen sterile worker reproductive models is communism the analog for the theoretical human queen worker system what's wrong with that in principle jf uh it is an analog loosely uh communism with a central authority will lead to a queen of control of sterile workers yes and to a certain extent it might be a real one in the sense that the real the, the workers could be really sterilized uh, if there was, for example, a communist uh, dictator that veers toward medical fascism. Uh, but I don't think it's a valid, uh, true analogy that works in principle. 
simply because in communism, you still have the workers able to breed. And if they are not to the point of being interfered with their reproduction, if we're not talking about a medical fascism system, uh, they can still breed. And therefore, it's not like a colony. It's more like a, a symbiotic tree in which microbes are just invading and living off the tree. It's a system with competition, predation, parasitism, and it's much more complex than a queen colony. All right. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, thank you, gentlemen, so much. This has been uh, an interesting debate. Um, I know myself, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this three or four times before I fully understand every idea that was shared here. Um, if you're watching this post live event, make sure you add in the comments down below what you guys think about our debaters positions and share your ideas. Um, JF, any given day, where can people find you? Uh, JFG tonight, you can check out at jfg.world. You'll see all my links. I'm live every day on Odyssey. Awesome. And, and for Red, if someone was looking for you to open dialogue, where might they go? So right now I'm on kick.com slash infrared. You can also find me at infrared show, youtube.com slash infrared show. And then finally, you can find me at my Twitter, which is twitter.com slash infrahaz. So... Those are three places. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank uh, you. Thanks to the audience for you guys coming out. It was a great time. Um, anyone who wants to see, dive deeper into this topic, Matters Now is hosting an after show immediately uh, after uh, I shut things down here. So um, hopefully we'll see some of you guys over there. Uh, have a great night and thanks everyone for bye bye. coming out. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.